The Grower Calling, Canada's go-to horticulture podcast for the latest industry news. We're picking up the phone and talking to farmers to discuss topics impacting them and their farm business. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BASF. We create chemistry. Wholesale, retail. These are very different marketing channels, and yet Kevin Howe and his family embrace both. The news for 2020 is that they have opened a second farm market in southwestern Ontario near London. Hi, I'm Karen Davidson, editor of The Grower. Today, I'm happy to host Kevin Howe of Howe Family Farm Market, Elmer, Ontario. Yes, hello, Kevin speaking. Hi, Kevin. Great to have you join us uh, today. I've got a number of uh, questions for you as a follow-up to the farm visit uh, last uh, summer. I know that you're uh, the operations manager for your family farm. It's a really dynamic business with both wholesale and retail streams of revenue. And um, here's a little bit of a different question. If you were a drone, what commodities would you see on the farm? Okay, well, uh, I guess on the larger scale, you'd see pumpkins. We grow around 200 acres in total. Um, this includes pie pumpkin, jack-o'-lantern, colored ornamental pumpkins, squash, Caribbean pumpkin. There's probably over 40 different varieties of pumpkin in total, any shape, any color that you can think of. Uh, you'd also see melons. We grow um, a lot of watermelons. That would be our largest acreage. We grow about 75 acres of watermelon. But uh, we also grow some cantaloupe, piled a sepal melon, and canary. Um, then, of course, strawberries. So each year we fruit between 20 to 30 acres of uh, June-bearing strawberries, um, as well as a few acres of ever-bearing strawberries, both in soil as well as on a tabletop system that's underneath the tunnel. Um, and then solely for our farm markets, you'd see 30 to 40 acres of sweet corn. Um, and four acre, uh, four acres of market garden that would have just about every vegetable, herb, or flower that you can grow here in southern Ontario. Well, it's very difficult to uh, meet the stringent demands of retailers, and so I'm curious about the fact that your your family has taken on uh, many different channels of marketing. What is it about the on-farm store that makes it worthwhile for your family? Yeah, so wholesale has always been at the core of our operation, and it, it still is. Our strategy has always been to grow a manageable crop size that's going to satisfy our wholesale customers' needs. Um, we've always focused on quality, and we're always trying to stay at the forefront of new and emerging trends. So whether that's drip irrigation back in the 90s, uh, the Canada Gap Food Safety Program in the early 2000s, or just constantly trying new varieties, we're always trying to grow exactly what our customer wants and how they want it grown. Uh, we opened up our first on-farm market back in 2010 because we wanted to sell directly to the customer. And over the years, what we found is that the two business models, wholesale and retail, complement one another quite a bit. The retail market gives us an opportunity to gain customer feedback on some of the new varieties that we're trialing, and we're able to share that customer feedback with our wholesale buyers, ideally allowing them to adopt a new desirable variety before their competitors can. And our customers love it because they're able to sample brand new varieties for free, most of which aren't even named or released commercially from the breeders yet. 
And when you think about it, every customer can probably name several different apple varieties, but not many realize there are as many or more strawberry or watermelon varieties. So it's pretty easy for customers to get excited about all of these different varieties. Uh, We feel that our our retail markets have grown as, as a result of our focus on quality and variety and our wholesale market benefits because we have a better understanding of consumer preference. Do you find, uh, Kevin, that uh, you're getting any negative feedback? It's always good to get uh, positive, exciting feedback, but uh, what happens when they don't like something that you're trialing? Yeah, I mean, we take, we take all the suggestions and uh, we value them all. A lot of times we can do a pretty good job of filtering out kind of the varieties that make you wonder why it, it was re- released or even being con- considered by a breeder. You could filter that out on your own. So probably four years ago now, we put in a huge variety trial of watermelons. We had 58 different varieties. And of that 58, we filtered that down to probably 12 a rotation of 12 different varieties that the customers were able to sample from. And those were the best 12 that we had. And of that 12, we filtered that down to uh, two varieties that we now grow on on broad acres in in some facet of our business. Interesting. Can you share uh, with us some of your winning strategies that have made your on-farm store a success? When I was there last, uh, I guess it was late August, uh, were just some really interesting uh, displays. And so can you just tell us a little bit about some of the inner workings of your uh, on-farm market? Yeah, I guess the main elements that we've always tried to focus on is fresh, local, quality, variety, and striving mm-hmm. to provide that enjoyable shopping experience. We, we feel our family has a very unique and authentic history of growing produce, and we're always trying to do a better job of telling that story. But focusing on quality has probably been our core strategy. Quality specifications of our wholesale buyers are constantly changing, and the tolerance for subpar produce is always shrinking. On all the loads of produce that we shipped this year, we didn't have one rejection. So every fruit that leaves our farm for the wholesale market needs to be perfect, and really trying to keep that quality standard going and at the forefront of our farm market is really what we feel um, is, is the number one strategy for, for building that customer, customer support. What happens to the second grade uh, fruits and vegetables? Well, the nice part with our new market is that it was uh, previously better known as a, a, a bakery. And so at least for some of the, the products that we grow, like, like strawberries or uh, even some of the vegetables, we now have a, an, avitu- an avenue to value add or, or do more with. So if it's a, a strawberry that might be bruised or blemished, we can go ahead and turn that into a pie or jam or something in the, of that nature. But as for watermelons, it's uh, largely just trying to grow the crop so that it doesn't have seconds, which is almost impossible, but uh, selecting the right variety, um, giving the crop what it wants and needs exactly when it needs it, that's all key to reduce the amount of of shrink that you have because there really is no real avenue for uh, a hollow watermelon or a watermelon that gets harvested when it's too ripe or not ripe enough. So yeah, you just have to be very vigilant in your harvest harvest quality um, parameters and how your crew operates and what they're what they're focusing on. 
Tell us about the motivation uh, for opening a second farm market uh, with a bakery. I know that that's a little bit closer to London, but uh, that's uh, certainly sounds to me like an aggressive expansion strategy. Yeah, and I guess the funny part of that is we 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 bought it in 2018 and uh, partway through the summer. It wasn't something that we were planning on or even looking looking to do, but there was just so many moving parts uh, in 2018 that kind of pushed us towards that decision. When strawberry season started June 1st, we were seeing far greater competition from California than we ever had before. What had happened was some of the early producing regions in California, uh, they were late, and the late producing regions were early, and the central producing regions were on time, which created just the, the perfect storm of low prices. Uh, we saw at a lot of the grocery stores that there were berries being sold for as low as a dollar per quart, which is lower than what we've ever seen in the past. I don't know, we started growing strawberries in 1916, so we've never seen pricing that low, at least not in my generation or my dad's generation. And when you think about it, the California grower would have over 85 cents per quart Canadian just in packaging and transportation, let alone their cost of growing and their cost of harvest. Kind of getting back to it, I mean, our we had a lot of sleepless nights there early strawberry season. Um, our wholesale market was definitely impacted by that. At the same time, minimum wage just jumped. And also, my middle brother was deciding to come back to the farm. So partway through the season, we were really feeling all that pressure. Um, myself, and I, I farm with uh, my two brothers, Ryan and Rick, and then my, my parents, Glenn and Monica. Um, so at the same time, we saw that a farm market that we, had been a longtime customer of ours was coming up for sale. So we saw an opportunity to create more room for my brother, Rick, while also diversifying us so that we weren't so heavily reliant on the wholesale market. I should mention, yeah, like I mentioned, our, our home market is a bit more of a destination spot. It's not super close to large urban areas, whereas the new location gave us better access to um, the major population centers. We were right in between St. Thomas and London. Uh, so it's just more ideally, ideally situated. And I agree because I, I was fortunate enough to visit it last uh, summer with you and uh, I was totally amazed at the amount of traffic uh, coming and going on a steady basis. So, so good for you. What are you uh, going to do differently in 2020? And that's a very open-ended question. It could be new varieties, new equipment, new practices. What's going to, what's going to change for, for the upcoming season? Yeah, so... Last winter, we kind of bit off a bit more than, than what we could chew. Um, we did some major renovations to the new market. We added on a larger cooler, a loading dock. We added a full uh, brand new uh, floor, floor space. Um, and then we also improved the curb appeal by uh, putting on new siding and just giving the whole, the whole market a, an update and, and a facelift. And, and we also retrofitted the, the existing bakery that was there. Um, so we, we had a lot, of, a lot on the go last year and uh, learned a lot from our first year being open. Uh, since we had so much, so much on the go figuring out the new location at the same time as working on the renovations uh, and trying to improve our wholesale production, we really think that this year we can, we're just going to be focusing on perfecting some of the finer details. So, I mean, we're, we're going we're gonna to continue to pursue new varieties. 
Uh, I'm really excited. We have six new strawberry varieties that will be ready to harvest this June. We have had a, a, a small look at them two summers ago. Uh, some were really big, some were really firm. Some overall, there's probably three that, that we're hoping might be a, a commercial fit for us. Um, and then at, on top of that, we're probably going to have around 20 new variety, watermelon varieties to test. As far as pumpkin goes, we're going to expand a little bit of our acreage on some of the varieties that stood out in 2019. Lots on the, on the schedule for sure. What do you see as the biggest business risks moving forward? As you say, you've got a lot of moving parts. Uh, if you just stand back a little bit, what do you see uh, as uh, the big challenge for 2020? Yeah, the the wholesale and the retail markets, they're they're both different business models. So whereas profitability in the retail market, it's about controlling cost in relation to dollars sold. So retail markets generally have a predetermined markup, uh, especially if you're buying a product off of your neighbor or or another producer. Um, but the cost of sale can vary quite a bit. You can't really predict how many customers you're going to have on any given day, but for the most part, you have that control over the markup that you need in order to justify being in business. So if our retail markets are slow, whether it's from poor weather or, or whatever else, we have plans established to keep our staff busy preparing for busier times so that they're still productive even though it might be slow. This is a key strategy to stay profitable on some slow days, and we plan to keep our focus on growing and selling a high-quality product, and being more diversified should help alleviate some of the other seasonal risks associated with farming. Well, Kevin, it's a pleasure to uh, hear your business plans for the future. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, how your family farm expands and grows and uh, deals with so many challenges um, that are always on the horizon. So thanks again for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Karen. Is there an industry topic you'd like covered? Leave a comment, like our podcast, and share on social. Remember, if your phone rings, it could be the grower calling.